0: And you look at the book of Acts, I love it because it's a description. They said there were uh, uneducated, ordinary men. And those were the people that were raising the dead and healing the sick. And they didn't have no special dashes behind their names or letters, but they just were regular people, just like we are. And uh, that, that's what makes it good. You don't have to have a special qualification to be called by God. So let's pray, and then we'll get started, and praise the Lord. The Father, we love you, and God, we are always so grateful, God, to have a book that contains so much written word about your love, God, about your plans, and the goodness that you have for us. God, we bless you tonight. God, let everything be spoken here, and let it glorify you, God, let it to, to build us up and to to get a recognition of who you are and, and how you work. The Lord, we thank you, and we're always grateful. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hallelujah. And it's, it's been a good day. Uh, been busy and trying to study and do my honeydews, and it's been, it's been busy, so uh, it's been good. And I, it was a real debate on what I was going to teach about tonight because, man, there was so much that, I wanted to cover, especially talking about Peter last week, and 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 just really, I'm like, all right, God, I can go back to Peter, man. We can we can run on this for a while. And guys, like, no. And so I got two different messages over the last couple of days, and I'm like, all right, now which one are we going with? And I'm just, man, I'm fretting. I'm like, it's five o'clock, God. I'm like, all right. So I've done, I've, I've done have two whole things done, and I'm I'm racking my brain. I'm like, all right, God, you're gonna have to talk, and then. On the way here, he's like, yeah, just talk about that one. I'm like, okay, well, that's good. I'm glad you talked to me finally, you know. And so sometimes it just, it don't come off the bat, you know. When you pray and pray, answers don't come right then. And it could be the last second. And then sometimes that's frustrating. It is absolutely frustrating to wait to the last minute. I mean, think about Lazarus, you know, he's died. He's like, can you just go get Jesus? He's tangible. He's about eight miles away. Go pick him up. Drag him here. I need to be healed. Now, he ain't come. I'm like, man, it is rough sometimes. Some days following God, but it's worth it. And so tonight we're gonna uh, see how far we get, but we're gonna talk about um, talk about the gospel and the gospels uh, and 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 what it means and and how it come about and 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 why why do we have it what is it what does it mean what does the gospel even mean and so now we're going to take a pop quiz okay so but it's going to be differently it's going to be in your brain okay so right now i want you to think in your brain what does the gospel mean what does it mean to you what is what is the first thing that comes to your brain is it good news is it salvation is it um god is love is it redemption salvation what what is what is what is gospel what is the gospel well it's it's a, all of them in combined but the old testament puts it in a way and i love this in 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 the 21st century we have lost the very essence of what it means. It's lost its power. Because when we get there, you're going to be like, oh, this is, this is, where has this been? And I love this because it it takes us back and it puts substance back into things that has just lost its flavor. And I, I love doing that because we miss so much because it's just been down tuned over the years. And whether by by churches or different denominations or how their interpretations are of different words throughout the Bible, that it just it loses its power, and and that's unfortunate. It really is. It's very unfortunate to have that and to live in a world today that that just does does not um, go after it like they did a long time ago. Um, most of the time, when when kids become Uh, The age of 12, they could quote all Proverbs. They could quote them. That's what they did every day, though. They could quote the Proverbs. Proverbs was written by Solomon for his sons. So that's what they did. Every day they'd they'd wake up and they they would recite this. And so by the age of 12, they have all of Proverbs vocally right at command. That's awesome. And that's at the age of 12. I can't do that now. And I'm like, you know, we have so much vast at our hands now that it's, it's incredible. We, we, we contain more knowledge now than we ever have. Ever. I mean, that's... I mean, we are living, literally at the pinnacle of, of what we have, information. And, and it's incredible. But what does the gospel mean? Well, we got to go back until the Old Testament, and we're going to talk about David. Now, David, we know, was the righteous man of God, and he, he uh, became king. You read that in, in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. And uh, you have David that literally becomes king and in one instance, we're not going to, because it'd take us all over, jump all over the Bible, that, that David becomes king and he gets to a point where he sends out his army that he stops going. And so we get David's army and they go out and they win the battle, right? And the news travels back to David and they go to David and they say, Biser, Biser. What does Beser mean? It means. The gospel. It means the gospel. Okay? And so he goes back and they say, And we get to Isaiah, I think it's 61. And we see it is 61.1. And Isaiah is talking about, Hey, you know, it's the same scripture that Jesus said when he was, you know, 12 when we went to the temple. He says, Hey, I'm here. I'm going to guide that God sent and I'm going to preach the gospel. He said, Becer. He said that word. Becer, which is a plural. It's just, I'm doing that. I'm going to be that. Which is a phenomenal word. Which the Greek version of this word. So when Jesus gets there and announces who he is and says this word before him, he's like, everybody's like, eh, maybe you're not. And so it gets stuff gets really intense then. They're like, nah, I don't know. Because this word has some power behind it. And so knowing the verbiage that he uses, or the words he uses, they get real offended. And so he's like, I'm here to preach this. It is beset. But what is it? See, we've lost so much power in this because it literally translates to the gospel. But I can see where you're thinking right now. It's like, we're just going with it. I don't know. Well, be sad. We have the word translated into Greek now when the Septuagint hit and all the New Testament translations come in. We have euangelion. Euangelion is when the Septuagint was written they would take the word beser and they would change it to euangelion, which means you. literally means good, and angelion, the word we get angel from, angelios, angelion, which means announcement. So what is happening when the good news, or now we have the gospel, what happened when King David heard it? What happened when he heard Viser, or Evangelion, David says, hey, I get to keep my job. That's good news. I get to keep being king. See, it was a royal announcement is what happens. When we preach the gospel, it is a royal announcement that the king is here. We preach the gospel of Jesus Christ We preach the gospel that literally says, I'm preaching about the king that is here. That is the gospel. That's what the gospel means. When we get the word euangelion, we literally mean the good message because angel means messenger, God's messenger. So we get the good message or the good announcement. We get that good news And that's what Samuel said. I mean, you could break down all the translations. Some of it says good tithing. Some of it says good news. Um, Trying to think of what else. Other version. Um, But they're, they're saying the same word. And that's what the gospel means. It means the king. It's a royal announcement that the king is here. When Jesus was making the triumphal entry, and Jesus says, hey, I am the gospel. I am the royal decree that the king is here. And they hated him for it. They absolutely hated him for it because they knew what that word meant. When you're sitting there speaking Aramaic or or Hebrew at the time, because they only spoke Hebrew in the temple. Hebrew was a holy language. And so um, they were were speaking Aramaic, possibly Greek. Um, It depends on who they were around. And and they literally said, Jesus was stating, I am the royal decree. I am the king that is here. Just by that one word. And they did not like it. But that's what the gospel was. So now take that and dump all the other gospel meanings out of it and put in, hey, it's a royal decree that the king is here. So when you preach the gospel, when you are out there evangelizing and preaching and teaching the gospel, literally means when you come and I brought the gospel, literally means you you declare you declared that Jesus is King. That is awesome. Is that not cool? Yeah. That is cool. I thought that was amazing. <clears throat> I I love to have these interpretations that that really just solidify what we know. We know Jesus is King. But it's like sometimes how do we how do we miss that? How do we miss those two together to and, and have that definitions that they had um that is it's just one of the the greatest things that that I have seen <clears throat> and so yeah I, that is I love that I love that 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 Jesus has just now busted the door wide open and then people are crying hosanna you know I mean, what is, what is Hosanna? It is literally a cry to the king, a cry for mercy. It is literally have mercy on us. And so when Jesus comes up, Beser, Besera, and all of a sudden you and hey, I am the messenger that, that the king has sent. I am now Isaiah 61. And people are having a fit. And now you have people crying, Hosanna. Have mercy on us. Praise the Lord. Today, we still have that in Jerusalem. They still, every year, cry out for a Messiah. And they dance and wail in the streets and they pray that a Messiah will come. But we know that the gospel has come. We know that Jesus is king. We have heard the royal decree and we know it to be true. We know that we serve a good God. And that is, man, that's a good time. That's a good time to know that Jesus is king. I would hate to not know him. And there was once a time that I didn't. Uh, but like Peter says, I've been set free. I have been set free. Any questions? Any comments? Come on. Y'all got them? No? No, no questions. Man, I was hoping to get some questions out of y'all. All right. So there's no questions. We're going to cover some gospel knowledge, okay? The gospels, the, the four gospels. Somebody name the four gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So... um, who can tell me something about Peter? There's a lot about Peter. Just say one thing. Hey boy, Peter was bold. All right. Come on, I'm putting you on the spot here. Get them brains to working. What's up? He was ambitious. He was very much so. He did some very ambitious things. He tried to rebuke Jesus. He did rebuke Jesus. I would call that pretty ambitious. Yeah. <laughs> That's thinking outside the box. Yeah. All right. So Peter. Peter was, as we know in the scriptures, Simon Bar-Jonah. Okay. Bar is a Hebrew word meaning son. Okay. Simon Bar-Jonah. He was literally the son of Jonah. Okay. Um, Peter had a brother. Brother was Andrew. Okay. Peter was also married. Most people don't know Peter was married. There's a few disciples that were married. Okay? Uh, We get uh, Peter was married out of Matthew uh, 8 and 14 where uh, they go into Peter's house and his mother-in-law was sick and Jesus went in and healed her. And she got up and started serving. Remember that story? So you get uh, Peter that is married. Um, Peter also was from Capernaum. Okay, Um, why Capernaum? Because I think there's five disciples that were, that was from Capernaum. And um, so it was the first place Jesus went. And I think there was no um, misunderstanding about what God had in plan for people there. Capernaum was a place that was, it was ruled pretty good by the Romans. It was like on the outskirts, but not very much. Uh, Tiberius is there now. Tiberius set up his hometown there when um, uh, around the time Jesus was there. I don't know if it was a full-blown city yet or not, uh, but it was. It was a good stronghold. Matthew, another one that was there, tax collector. Max, Matthew was not in Jerusalem. How the you know, we see all these movies. Everybody's in Jerusalem the whole time. No, Matthew is from Capernaum. So we we have this disconnect by watching all these movies instead of studying the Bible and kind of see where these things line up because we get major misconceptions about what, what actually went on. Um, so what I love, his, his duo partners was James and John. James and John also was another fisherman, they were called the Sons of Thunder. Nice job. So the Sons of Thunder. I can only imagine these two being some hooligans. I if if I was a disciple, I probably would have been a James or John. Yeah. I probably wouldn't have been Peter because I doubt I would have rebuke Jesus. Um that just takes some, that takes some 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 guts, yes. We'll put it that way. Um Peter was. Peter was an impulsive, um, but we knew he had a, a side that was somewhat um, unassured. Some people call it cowardly. I wouldn't go to say cowardly. Cowardly does not rebuke Jesus. Cowardly does not obey certain things that Jesus asked him to do. Um, but I would say doubtful. He was doubtful at times. We know Peter walked on water. How do you have doubt into that? How do you have doubt and, and, and cowardness and, and uh, into those uh, things that you've done and, and, and believed? And then you get to you know the, what we talked about last week, Peter denying Jesus three times. And that's what you get. See, people love to hang on to the bad stuff. And I have so many books at home about Peter and, and, and people use the word cowardice. I'm like, man, you, you, you're reading the wrong book. Your insider, whoever's telling you this is completely wrong, because you have a man that Jesus is calling him, hey, you're going to be the rock of the church. How is that cowardice? I mean, that takes boldness, and he took it all the way to the grave, and there's no cowardness to that. Sure, he messed up, but what does, people, what does people grab onto? You can do all things right, but you do one three one thing wrong, and they're going to get you with it. That's going to stick with you, and that's what that's what these these commentators, these writers, they, they love to go at her, go at it. And so with this, we're going to run over Peter. And so Peter was a fisherman. And I love to understand um, the background of people because if I can understand the background of people, I can understand how they write. And we write, we, we look at First and Second Peter, and we look at this at a fisherman's perspective, a fisherman that has now have have walked with Jesus for three plus years and and was a was an eyewitness that that happened and so now we have uh Peter that was there the whole time and and now is the rock of the church and so uh we talked about last week Jesus literally putting him back on the the track of who he's wanting to become and so Peter does a lot of stuff. I mean, a lot of stuff. And so we get into Peter. So let's talk about his brother. Let's talk about Andrew. So Andrew was the brother of Peter. Peter being married, people think, well, there was a long time that I thought that no disciples were married. I, I thought that. I was wrong. I'm thinking, man, it's going to take... So, w- so we put these disciples in a now situation. Could you be a disciple? Could you leave everything? If a guy walked up to you off the street that looked, I mean, he didn't look amazing, he looked like an ordinary fella and said, hey, come and follow me. Could you leave your job? Could you leave your family? Could you leave your wife? Could you do all these things and just walk right off? Just a spur of a moment impulse action that you just had a gut feeling about. Could you just walk off? That would be extremely hard, but that's what happened. That's exactly what happened. You come into my town. I've never seen you before, never heard about you, nothing. And all of a sudden, you ask me to follow you. Man, just chew on that for a second. Chew on that. You walked away from everything, all security, all everything, everything you know, and you now just follow him. Now, sure, they stayed in Capernaum for a long time. Most of Jesus' ministry was right there. So, yes, he did not leave his hometown. Yes, they did travel. So at any given time, Jesus said, hey, let's go. We're going here. I'm going to preach on the side of a mountain. Now, uh, were the Beatitudes, where you, you preached about this for several, several weeks, right? And so I've been to the, the Mount of where Beatitudes was, was preached at. And it's amazing. And it's literally like, there's the Mount of Beatitudes, there's Sea of Galilee, not far away. So you have these misconceptions about reading the Bible and, and timelines and, and distances they traveled and, and all kind of stuff. And I love to, to talk about this because it puts it into perspective. Now you st- when you start flipping scriptures, you're like, man, well, they were right there. This puts it in a different perspective. It gets more meat to the plate that you're eating on. And so now you're not just eating peas and carrots. Now you have substance to what's going on. Because the more substance you have, the more you can look into what you're actually reading. Because if if you knew me and knew everything about me, you may know why I'm talking about this. You see what I'm saying? It's not, do what? It does come alive. Uh, When I went to Israel the first time, man, it exploded in all color. I don't know. I'm not that old. I I was told about when TV come from black and white to color. And I I remember I still watch Andy Griffith, and I love Andy Griffith, but I couldn't stand it when it went to color. That was just me. I was like, well, I, I knew what you looked like, you know, but it did. It brought a depth to it that you couldn't get before Especially when it went, when everything went from black and white to color, it really people were like, "I got color," you know. It, it was amazing, and so it was really that. It was really a a, a um, almost like a revelation. It was like a revelation that opened up to me that I could see now in depth about what I was reading. Well, knowing about the disciples, knowing about their background, understanding who they are, and why they why they wrote in such a way will give you an angle that you didn't have before. I now mean, you take, okay, John, well, he's another son of Jebedee. He was known as the the evangelist, the the um the revealer because he, he wrote Revelations. So he has a perspective that other disciples don't have. We don't know how long Revelations was was wrote. We can guess, but what did John do after that? we don't know. Nobody knows what happened to those writings. We have thousands and thousands of writings that we don't have today because the temple was burned down several times. We have storerooms that was attached to these to the temples that were those scrolls were held, and we don't have those. We have writings about them. All in the Bible, there's several different spots that talk about different writings that we don't have today. They're gone, and they'll be gone forever unless they're in some monastery stored up in some wall there, but I doubt it. I think God will reveal it. They're still finding scrolls today, to this very day, that have been stored for thousands of years. I think the last one, big one, what I know was, um, I think it was 2008, um, that they, um, I think it was in Istanbul, um, that they they had found uh, literally a 1,000-year-old manuscripts that was just down in a basement and they're still finding these things. We have over 25,000 New Testament writings in five different languages. If we stacked them up, they'd be taller than the Empire State Building. This is the concrete evidence that we have today. There is no no guessing anymore. Like I was saying earlier, we don't have any... We're at the pinnacle of what we have, and it is amazing. So let's get John. Man, I can get off on a tangent. Sorry about that. Uh, So... So we have Peter, and now we have James and now we have John. So we have Peter and Andrew brothers, okay we have that. I can see these brothers so we got a pair of brothers here, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. James and John pretty much being a some some rough probably kids they were fishermen um, they were grew up in Capernaum under the rule of the Romans, okay? I want to throw this in there. Before the Romans were there, who was there? The Greeks. Okay. The Greeks ruled it. Okay. So think about Mary and Joseph. So Mary and Joseph's mom and dad. Okay. Now they're they're up under Greek rule, Greek influences, Greek idols, all this stuff. So you have one group of Greeks that were there, and now you have Romans that come right in on top of it. So now you only have not only one, but now you have two major influences in your world at this time. So think about Russia being here, now Russia's over America, now the Chinese are coming in. So you have a vast amount of people that speak Greek in your own, because they have to, they have to work with them. So now and then now the Chinese come in. Well, now we got a new language. Now we got now we got new oppressions. Now we got different stuff going on. Sure the Romans and uh, the Romans literally took everything from the Greeks in in some form or fashion. They were there were a lot alike. But now you have two oppressions that were back to back. And so now you can see a a a vision or a people that has been oppressed for so long. And you can see the, the how they write and how they talk about the world and people. And it, it's just it's different than how we write today. And so you, you have a different perspective on why did he say that like that? Or or what did he really mean by that? Why, why did the disciples um, think that, that Jesus was coming over to, to take over the Romans? Because it was the gospel. He was the good news. He was the one to come that was bringing the different kingdom. Jesus says, no, that that ain't why I come. I didn't come to overthrow the Romans. See, Jesus had more of a job than you think he did because Jesus didn't come to win and only have just to to save souls. No, he had to undo all their stuff that they've been, Putting up with for the last four or five hundred years. The oppression of their people. And see, now you get in a depth of, oh man, I didn't think about that. So Jesus literally had to combat everything. Just like Moses did when he went to Pharaoh. If you look at the, if you look at the um, the parallels between the plagues and the Egyptian gods, they match them up equally. Equally. That's to be a good study for you to do. Just go and look what happens when Moses and God brings the plagues. The first one, the snake, right off the bat. That was, their, that was their royal decree, was the snake and the staff. And when they threw the staff down, it turned to a snake. But when Moses threw his staff down, it turned to a snake and ate theirs. And God's like, hey, I am the king here. Right off the bat, first one. I love that. I love that God just puts His precedence right there. And it's like, oh no, this is this is my world. I mean, that is amazing. So you see the 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 depth that we can get into just by understanding what went on with these brothers and who who they really are. And so in that you can you can start having a depth that you don't have before. And there's so much to this. It's Beyond, I mean, we would take a a year to go really in depth on on who these people are, and go scripture by scripture and, and understand why they said this or why they said that, and and it takes a long time. I mean, I've been doing it for twenty years, and I still don't I still don't know it all. I mean, sometimes I just feel like I'm just scratching the surface sometimes, and I've been doing it for twenty years, and I'm just like, oh. This is, this is too much. It, it, it's it's a lot. So now we have two sets of brothers. So these guys are raised in Capernaum, grew up fishermen. Uh, we have um, spent three years with Jesus. Why do you think Jesus was there? Or why do you think Jesus spent three years with the disciples? Or somewhere around three years. We don't know exactly. Could it be the number three? Could it be a a length of time that you would take to to do something with a person to make it stick? Could it be a a time frame that was a, a gestational period of of growth? Could it be certain things that, that Jesus done to just, hey, this is the amount of time that, that God has allotted me to you? Is it a discipleship thing? Is Jesus said, hey, I need to be here this long for you to see this happen? Do you ask these questions when you read this stuff? I didn't for a long time. Question? Marinating, <laughs> I understand that. um So it's 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 getting a lot of information. So let's move on to Philip. Philip was born in Bethsaida. So we also know he was well versed in Scripture. Probably could have been um maybe a son of a Pharisee or something like that. Usually Pharisees, their sons become Pharisees, or at least one of them does. Um, so, so we, we know that he's probably, probably uh, more than likely spoke Greek just because of um, his name. Philip literally means um, he who loves horses. So being from Bethsaida, I could literally see that could be a, more like a stable farm than anything. So understanding now who they are, you can be like, hey, Philip, I need some horses. We need to go here. And so you start tying these things in together. And so um, we have now Peter and Andrew, and we have James and uh, John, the brothers of thunder. Let's talk about Matthew. Matthew was from Capernaum. He was called the son of Alphaeus. He was a tax collector. Now, tax collectors were loved by Jewish people. They were loved. They loved them. They loved people that worked for the Romans and stole their money and, and put on debt that they didn't owe. They love those people. Man, you got to have a, I can see when Jesus walked up and said, Matthew, follow me. They were like, not that guy. <laughs> not that guy. Anybody else, not that one. Because why? He worked for the Romans. He literally worked for the enemy. He's like, you're going to pick that guy? I'm glad God did not look over me. When the world says, not that guy. When the other Christians said, not that guy. When the police and everybody else said, not that guy. Jesus says, that guy. Because that guy was forgiven. That guy understood love. That guy. Remember, those who all seem like the enemy, maybe turn out to be some of the strongest Christians you've ever met. Because when they said those who have been forgiven much, loves much, because there's so much depth into that. And it is amazing. So um, we have a possibility that um, James could have been the brother of Matthew as well, Um but we're not, we're not 100% on that. So we, we know Matthew wrote the book of Matthew. John wrote John. But what about, what about Luke and Mark? Why well, wasn't they a disciple? But they wrote the Gospels. Anybody know that one? Well, it, yeah, they, they were. One, Mark, we know, um, Mark was the son of Mary, okay? It's called, also called John Mark. We see that in the book of Acts. It talks about Mark being John Mark. John Mark probably was a kid or a teenager when all this took place and probably saw a lot of it happen. He was probably one of the eyewitnesses uh, that what took place. Uh, because of his because of his mom, um, so Mark definitely was one of the eyewitnesses, and that was big. That was a very big thing to be an eyewitness to something. Um, you have uh, these these guys right here, and we're, we're going to end up with this, which is a really cool thing. That um, uh, talking about the witnesses. So you have Mark. John Mark probably wrote the Gospels because he he was there and probably he was so close to the he was like the little brother running around to the disciples and he's like ooh he just sat down and listened and he got all these stories and he just wrote about them and he and he understood because he was he just saw from afar he was there but he just didn't he didn't have the access that the 12 did and so that's where we get the book of mark but what about Luke He did. Luke was probably the smartest out of all of them. He was very detailed. Yeah, Luke was extremely smart. Luke was uh, known as the physician, and we know he's a doctor today. Um, He probably wrote a lot of Paul's writings. We know that um, he he sent several times for um, his scrolls and, and writing utensils, uh, several times, and the way Luke writes, you can see some uh, similarities in, in Paul's writings, and so you'll have. It's 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 especially when you're trying to put it into different languages. It's you, you can't do it verbatim, especially from Hebrew or Aramaic into into Greek or Hebrew language. Um, so you have some some similarities, and, and we know by the scriptures, especially in in um, I think it's in 1 Corinthians. Um, that, that he's that he sends for his writings, stuff like that. So now you have that that Luke was not a um not there. He was a later convert of Paul's. And so, but why did he get the why did he get the right to write the gospel? Luke probably wrote the gospel for Paul. He probably sent Paul, said, Hey, you are a Ingenious guy, I want you to go get every detail you can, write it down, and let's talk about it. Now, Paul, we know that when he got um, born again, he was in cahoots right into disciples, actually got into it with them. I mean, that's that's a pretty big deal, that, that they, these interactions with the, the, the 11, well, um, Matthias took over um, uh, Judas's spot, and so, so now, now you have Paul coming right into the disciples, going, "Hey, this is not what God means." And they're like, "Whoa, this is this is a big deal." Because who are you? We're the twelve disciples. We got the name. We have Peter, James, and John. You know, we have the three most loved. And I love, I love what John says. He, you know, in, in the book of or, or the Gospel of John, he says, "The one whom Jesus loved." <laughs> i just like, that's a John writing. That sounds like somebody who probably may have a little insecurities, you know, that his brother's right there with him all the time. He's like, no, he loves me. You know, let me put this in the gospel so they always remember it. You know, I can see that. And you you, you take personalities because if, if I told you a story and it told you a story, you're going to write it totally different. Just if I just told you what happened, you're going you're gonna to go down and just write details that is going to be important to you, but it's not going to be important to you. Or vice versa. And so you'll have these similarities. This is where we have, you know, if you parallel the four Gospels, and if anybody's ever read it like that where you have four Gospels in a row and there, there's major sections that are taken out of it. And some have some and in some don't. But why is that? It's maybe because they wasn't there in that moment in time. Do what? Because people perceive things differently. It's not that it does not quantify or... Uh, canonize these things to make it true or untrue, but it's their perspective on what happened. So in that perspective, I'm going to write it a little bit different than Chris does. And then Chris is going to write it a little bit different than everybody else. So it's like, what is their perspective in this? And why did they write it? Just like we were talking about last week, that the that, uh, the all four Gospels contained the denial of Peter, but only one contained the reconciliation of it. And who wrote that? John did. But we don't have a a gospel from James. But James, I mean, John, we know that was close to Peter. He wanted to make it right. He wanted to let everybody else know this is what really happened. That's why it's in there. That's why it was there. Because right at the end of uh, that chapter, it says, hey, John, come walking up. John was right there. The whole time. He's that guy that's not going to miss anything. John was a very personal writer. If you read the book of John, you find out that it's, it's very detailed. Very detailed. Very emotionally driven gospel. Mark is not. I mean, Matthew is not. It is very hammered in stone. This is what it is. This is how it happened. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, you look off right off the bat. Hey, but all the begotten's right there. What is, he, what is he doing? What is Matthew doing right off the bat? He's establishing Jesus' lineage right off the bat, establishing his bloodline right off the bat. Because Matthew's a tax collector. He's good with numbers. He, he sees things in a different light. He sees things just, just plain, um, what do you call that? Uh, very, not methodical, but that's not the right word. Analytical. There you go. Very analytical thinker. And you read the book of John, and it comes out totally different. He's like very emotional, passionate, and, and driven by that. And it's like, man, it is, there's no doubt that there's, there's two, two totally people. And there's things in the Gospels that give it away. And, and who wrote it? Well, Run, you see their name down there. I, John, you know. Uh, but some books are not that way. Some books are not written. Some, some people, historians and everything else, they will just stamp a name on it. And be like, well, that's to him. And we'll get into that at a later time if y'all want to. I don't know. That's that's pretty, that's pretty good. <laughs> She's like, yeah, let's do that. It, we, get, we can get into some controversial stuff that it, it is pretty fun. So um, so now we have so Peter, James, John, Andrew, and Philip we've talked about. Now we've hit Matthew. So Thomas. Talk about Thomas. Thomas was a twin. We see that in John 20 and 24. Um, He was definitely one of the 12. Um, His other name was Didymus. Um, People give him the bad name of Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas. Um, I have preached some sermons on this before. I don't think Thomas was actually... Doubting per se. And maybe that's for another day because that can get a little in-depth and and have to think outside the box. And why do I think that way? Is because I can understand how people are writing the gospels. And when you get the writings in a certain form, you understand the depth of that person. Ever have you ever seen somebody that that took offense from somebody and, and then all of a sudden you but you know that person? And they're like, man, that ain't what they meant. That ain't what they meant. I know that person. And so that's where you see, you get enlightened on, now you're reading the Bible in a whole different light, in a whole different room. And so now you're going to start picking stuff up that you never picked up before. Yes, ma'am. right so I you know, and that's what makes yeah he kind of a liner, but when he stood on it he stood on case, it you know, yeah i i could understand that uh he he definitely was the inquisitive type. Um, he it's it's hard to and and why I say that I doubt Thomas was doubting even when Jesus says, "Hey Thomas," and calls him out on it. Hey, put your hands here. See the see the holes. See the the scars. And and you know because Th- Thomas was one of those guys that um, j- he wanted to believe. He wanted to put all in on it, but he just, he wanted tangible stuff. He wanted to touch it. He wanted to put his hands on it. You know, it was different between um, when I first got born again and when I first experienced Jesus like I did. There was two different faiths. The faith thing was different. So when Thomas was there, he's like, you know what? I want to believe. Help my unbelief. And that's it. Thomas was just putting a, 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 a mandate on Jesus to, hey, I want you to show up. And he did. He still does it today. He absolutely does it today. I'm living proof that, that Jesus will answer the prayers that those who love him 100%. And when he does it, when you ain't good, it's called Mercy. And that's what he does. And so we have covered a good bit today. Anybody else have any questions? Comments. I know y'all got some comments. Uh, Let's grab the mic maybe. It's okay, Becky. Well, nobody can hear you, so. (laughs) It's all right. Right. There was a lot of them, but called the called the twelve apostles. So was, why were they apostles? They're different. Well, was the apostle okay. Disciple is it literally means the translation means disciplined one. So anybody that come up under the faith, and and was under the um, disciples or the apostles or the twelve disciples was named a disciple of the disciples. And so now you literally have a title on your life that now you you are part of the, the sect, the new sect that is coming up, and you are the disciple. You are the disciplined one. So when you're up under someone, you get the name disciple. So uh, an apprentice would be the same thing. So that's your apprenticing is the word disciple. But an apostle is the one who goes forth it breaks new ground. See, that's what the twelve apostles did. The apostles are the ones that were sent out to to keep this thing rolling, to start making disciples. And so the disciples made disciples that made disciples. That's why we still have um discipling today. Yep. Yep. Apostles. Yep. Yep. The apostles are the ones, but that, were, then after that, there was <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It it grew it grew pretty substantially. Um, you know you have you have the main disciples or the main apostles, and then you have you know Paul that comes right into the picture. I mean, not long after, um, and now he becomes an apostle, one of the greatest apostles I think that's probably ever lived, and probably did more work. Than some of the 12 that we have that we know about today. That's the only problem. And it frustrates me to the core is that we're limited on what we know. Imagine if we had every book. Yes, sir. Right. Yeah, it was it was a position that was definitely given by Christ, I mean, the only th- one we know that was that took the place of um, of Judas. Uh, that was that was only that was that was done by the brothers. So yeah, that's the only one that that didn't. But there was a lot of people that saw Christ in in his time and in the in the three years that he was becoming king or was king, but become king in a different way. Um. That that's what that happened. How that happened. So, what y'all got? Y'all learn anything tonight? Good, bad, ugly. <laughs> it's it's a lot to to really chew on. I love the gospel thing. Um, you know, it's it's a good time. Messiah is a is a phenomenal word. That it just we have lost its fire today. We really have. We hear the word gospel. It just what's the gospel? it's about Jesus. No, it's way more than just about Jesus, and that's that's the root of it. I mean, it is way more, way more. And so, I love that. And uh, what else, y'all got? Nothing. Your brains are your brains are running. I know it. Mine gets this way too. Especially I've been to some major seminaries before, and, and man, I was like, I ain't gonna no question because I know where I'm going home, and I know what I'm <laughs> I'm going to find in research, and uh, it, it's a good time. Yeah, I'll spend three or four days and not sleep, and just and it gets pretty hectic in my home sometimes. But I'm just after Jesus and the truth. I know the truth is just. It's it's so, um, man. It's 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 better than a good steak. I love it. It really is to me. To me personally, uh, I would rather study the Bible than eat. I really would. It's just it just brings so much life and understanding. And the more I can understand Scripture, the more I can process it in my mind. The more I can process it in my, my mind, I can do it. And so, knowledge is power. It it really is. It'll take you to places that, um, that you can go. Because how many people got here on accident? How many people were just driving down the road and just, burp, right here in the parking lot? Nobody. How many people here was, was brought here? Did somebody bring you here? Nobody just dropped you off here and was like, hey, you're here. That didn't happen. So why don't we have Bible studies for you to get to a place that you don't know? That's why we study the Bible. That's why we study Because nobody is just going to, you're not just going to magically arrive. I mean, we don't have magic carpets, you know. So why do we do it? You know, the military does one thing good, and it's disciple. It's disciple people. They're very good at it. I was told a long time ago that they said, you can only go as far as where you know. But unless somebody takes you there, pushes you past your threshold, you don't know how far you can go. You don't know how far you can go. And that's why the disciples were here. They were here to set an example for everybody else to take people as far as they wanted to go. And they took it all the way to death. Some people are not willing to do that. I've been in quite a few churches and some conversations they're like, I just don't know there was a um uh, have you you ever heard the are we still alive maybe i don't know <laughs> uh, there was some uh, uh ever ever read the book of the martyr it's a it was a daily devotional come out years and years ago, and I can't remember the country it was like yugoslavia or something like that and uh they were having a church service and it wasn't i don't know thirty forty people and these two guys... Uh, Two or three guys come in with machine guns, and they were like, hey, listen here, if you believe in Christ, I want you to line up on the wall because we're going to kill you. Those other people that are just here playing, y'all can leave. And so people were like, what do we do? People started booking it. They were out of there. And the rest of them that, wanted, that just was like, I ain't going nowhere, they lined up on the wall. And when those people got out the door, they went behind it and locked it, Walked over there with those big old machine guns and mask on. They flipped the mask off. They set the machine guns down. They said, all right, it's time to have church. I don't like believing with other people. I was like, man, that is. Yeah, they were like, they were like, I'm not ready to give my life. But what if that happened today? What if that happened? Yes, ma'am. Okay, well, let's close out, man. Thank y'all for coming tonight. God bless y'all. Um, and let's pray and, and, and just pray that God just keeps speaking and, and doing what he does. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you for that your word that just brings life and just jumps off the pages. And, and God, we can see things in a different light. God, I pray that this does not end tonight, but this sparks just a drive in everyone here that just fuels them up, God, to find you more, to understand you more. And God, just to have a oneness with you in your scripture, God, that you've given us this invaluable book, these 66 books that just tell of your love and your mercies and your understanding and attributes and just who you are. Father, we are so grateful for you. God, we are so grateful. It is a pleasure to be your disciple, to be to be the disciplined one. So God, in your scripture, you said you love You will discipline those whom you love. So God, we ask that you would speak to us and correct us and keep us on that straight and narrow. Father, we love you. We are always grateful in the name of Jesus. Amen.